Good morning. How are you? It's good to see you. Everybody have a good Valentine's Day and a good uh, warm day to start and then blustery cold wind from not heaven come in. <laughs> um, anyway, there's. Uh, I'm glad you're here this morning. We had the heat on for you, so it is going to be an absolutely fantastic day. I'm really excited about what we have today, including this class right here. It's uh, There's something special on it. I think you're going to see it. Uh, let's go ahead and jump in and turn to Matthew 11.11. Matthew 11.11. Is everybody good? You awake? Warm? Thawed out? Awesome. Good. So I got an email this week uh, from Andrew Womack, and uh, it was just, you know, it wasn't personal to me, but it was, it was just a, it was his email newsletter, it was, you know, uh, that he sent out to everybody. Um, anyway, so he was, um, he wrote in there about a subject, and as soon as I read it, just felt the Holy Spirit say, that's what you need to teach on in the class, and uh, so I want you to see this, and uh when I read it, man, it just, it slammed me. It just slammed me. And it's an attitude that we absolutely need to have. Slammed me in a good way. I mean, it just, it, it woke me up to uh, some stuff. I believe it will you too. But in Matthew eleven eleven, it says this. It says, truly I say to you, among those born of women, there has not arisen anyone greater than John the Baptist. Yet the one who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. Now, it's interesting because he's talking about in the kingdom of heaven, uh, anybody who's born will be greater than he. And yet, here's what I want you to catch. Before Christ came, right? Before Christ came and he gave us the ability to be born again and to be a child of God, God said... This is the greatest man that's ever been on this earth. Do you get the power of that? Do you understand? So in God's eyes, John the Baptist was greater, greater, greater. I mean, he was awesome, right? This is an amazing statement. Think about all the people, you know, the Hall of Fame of Faith, in Hebrews 11, has all these people in it. And God was saying, all those people in the, New, in the Old Testament, John the Baptist is greater than them. That's an amazing statement. And so, I just was thinking on that as I read the email that I was telling you about. And I, and I was like, golly. And I've, I've never really, I've, I've focused a lot because we are born again. We do have Jesus Christ. And, and I've focused on the end of this verse. The end of the verse saying that the least in the kingdom of God is greater than John the Baptist. And so I've focused a lot on that because it's an amazing statement in itself. But I've never really focused on just how great John the Baptist was. And I want you to see something that's very important about John the Baptist. So let's look at a couple of other scriptures here. Let's go ahead and let's turn to uh, John chapter 3, verse 22. So John, 
you know, he had an anointing on his life, and he was called for a purpose. And that purpose was to prepare the way for Jesus, to announce Christ coming. This was, it was an amazing call. And then here, here is, um, he prepares basically for 30 years, and then he goes into his ministry. And his ministry is preparing the way. And he's saying, repent and be baptized. And uh, one of the things, you know, a lot of times in our society, what we've been taught about that is it's more, and, and I do it like this just to point out what our stereotype of repent is. You know, a lot of times in our society, when we hear in our head John the Baptist going, repent, it's like, repent and be baptized. You know, you better repent. That, that's not really what he was saying. He was saying there's a new kingdom coming in, and repent means to change and turn direction. All right? And he was saying your way of thinking in the law needs to change. Now he was saying change your ways, turn around, and accept this new way of thinking that God's bringing into the earth. And so that's actually really exciting because what was going to happen as the kingdom of God entered the earth, the will of God entered the earth, now God could move through all kinds of people on the earth. The life of God could flow through these people that would become Christians, right? And so this was an amazing statement, but, but John had to prepare the way. Here's all these, all these Jews, and they were set on the law, and, and he had to say, hey, change is coming. Change is coming. Change is coming. And he had to get it ready so that when Jesus stepped on the scene, he could say, change is here. You see? All right, so here he is in verse 22. And let's just read through this uh, down to verse 31. It says, After these things, Jesus and his disciples came into the land of Judea, and there he was spending time with them and baptizing them. John also was baptizing in Anon near Salim because there was much water there and people were coming and were being baptized for John had not yet been thrown into prison. Therefore there arose a discussion on the part of John's disciples about a Jew or with a Jew about purification. And they came to John and said to him, Rabbi, he who was with you beyond the Jordan to whom you have testified, talking about Jesus, behold, he is baptizing and all are coming to him. Now, ultimately what he's saying right here is, hey, Boomerang, there's a new church that rose up over there and there's a whole bunch of people going to their church. That's what they were saying. There's a whole lot of people going to that church. They didn't like that people were leaving John and going to another part of the body. But then watch John's response. Right here we start to see why John the Baptist was the greatest. He says this. He said in verse 27, John answered and said, A man can receive nothing unless it has been given him from heaven. You yourselves are my witnesses that I said, I am not the Christ, but I have been sent ahead of him. He who has the bride is the bridegroom, 
But the friend of the bridegroom who stands and hears him rejoices greatly because of the bridegroom's voice. So this joy of mine has been made full. In other words, he's saying there's about to be a wedding and there's a couple of people that are, on, that are on in the spotlight in this wedding. And that's the bride and the groom. That's Jesus and his church. And there's about to be something that's beautiful. He said, but the person who is the bridegroom's friend, the one who's the best man, he said, he's still happy for his friends. There's where his joy is made full. He said, how wrong would it be for the bridegroom's friend to not be happy because the spotlight was on who it needed to be? This is what makes John great. And then he says this, he must increase, but I must decrease. He who comes from above is above all. He who is of the earth is from the earth and speaks of the earth. He who comes from heaven is above all. See, what John saw was that there was something in the plan of heaven and it was beyond him. There was something in the plan of heaven. Today at the 11 o'clock service, we're talking about vision. And we're going to be talking about the vision that God's given this church. How we're going to get there. Where we're going. How we're going to get there. And, and the biblical background for all that. It's going to be an awesome service. But we have to understand, that vision is beyond me. It's beyond you. It, it is of God. And this is what John said. Look, this call, this purpose is beyond me. And if I think that it has everything to do with me, I'm going to miss it. He must increase. I must decrease. The will of God must come up. And my will and things that I want, whether I like it or not, that needs to go down. Then you step over into the first verse of chapter 4, John 4, 1, and it says, Therefore, when the Lord knew the Pharisees had heard that Jesus was making and baptizing more disciples than John. In other words, he was, what it's saying here is that he heard the Pharisees you know, knew that Jesus was now baptizing more than John. So in other words, here's John, the one who's out there, man, he, he is plowing up hardened ground. How long have they been going after the law? How long have they been doing? Man, I've been doing all the hard work, plowing up the ground. Now here comes Jesus. You know, and you've got to remember, they're figuring out, is Je- we know Jesus is Jesus. We know he's the Messiah. They're figuring this out. But John, who was called greater by God, started to recognize this is the Messiah. And I'm okay doing what I'm called to do and then backing out of the picture. Now here's the thing. Let me ask you this question. How many people always dream of being that person that steps up and introduces the main attraction? And that's all they do. And yet, this is exactly who God called greater. The one who stepped up and he said, here it is, folks. This is the main attraction from God.
This is who God called greater. The one who recognized their purpose, they recognized what God was doing, and said, let's do whatever it takes for the will of God to be done. Let me read this, uh, this email that Andrew sent. He says some statements in here that's really amazing. This is from Andrew Womack this week. He said, John spent 30 years preparing for a six-month ministry followed by one and a half years in prison before he was beheaded. So he spent 30 years preparing, six months proclaiming, that was it. And then he was in prison for a year and a half. And God said, he's the greatest among men. That's an amazing statement. Do you not think that in that same place that you would think, uh, man, what a waste. <laughs> all this time, all this preparation, and now six months has gone by, and pff, what happened? Lord, I thought you loved me. Do you not think, y'all might be holier than I am, but you, do you not think that your flesh would be yelling that at you? I can guarantee you it would. Your flesh would be going screaming, John spent 30 years preparing for a six-month ministry followed by one and a half years in prison before he was beheaded. Oh, that's a nice ending. Many people would not consider his life very successful, yet Jesus said John was the greatest man who was ever born. John's greatness didn't lie in his own success, but in the success of another. John stirred up the hearts of an entire nation in expectancy of their Messiah. The ministry of Jesus owned much of its success to the work of John. John had prepared a people to meet their God. In our celebrity conscious society, few people want to be the backup singer or the announcer who introduces the main speaker. Let me say that again. In our celebrity conscious society, few people want to be the backup singer or the announcer who introduces the main speaker. We have adopted a mentality that unless we are in the limelight, we have failed. That's not the way the Lord looks at things. When the Lord passes out rewards in heaven, we may be shocked to see how He evaluates greatness. Many people who did not receive recognition while on earth will shine like the stars in eternity. The Lord will judge our works on what sort they were and not what size they were. Let's look at 1 Corinthians 3.13. 1 Corinthians 3.13 says, each man's work will become evident. For the day will show it because it is, revealed, it is to be revealed with fire, and the fire itself will test the quality of each man's work. So the fire of God's going to say, okay, was this worthy of greatness? In other words, did you do what I asked you to do? And if what I asked you to do was not be in the spotlight 
and not be in the limelight, but be the backup singer, or be the one who introduces, or be the one that's never in front at all. They're never on the platform. They're, never, they're not even seen, but that's what I ask you to do. Is that where your heart is? How many people have been touched by this so far? Has it ministered to you? See, it doesn't matter what the world thinks about you. It matters what God does. I've heard it many times that whatever things you do that God didn't ask you to do, that stuff is going to burn. But I did it for you, Lord. I didn't ask you to do it, is what he'd say. I didn't ask you to do it. It's so important for us to know, find our place. God has placed the members in the body. Find our place in the body of Christ and simply do what he's asked us to do. And then if it comes a time to bow out, then we bow out. And we don't live in the same society that John lived in where, you know, they start beheading you. You know, as soon as, you know, as soon as you're done. <laughs> a lot of times we have uh, levels that we will go through in this life now in, in days like today. I can remember there have been times, there have been times where in the area that I'm in, I would rise up to a certain point and then God would say, yep, time to go back down, you know. And then I'd, I'd phase out of the limelight and then I'd fade back in and then I'd fade back out. And so you have to be willing to say, Lord, what do you want me to do? What are you leading me to do? And whether it's something that I consider a, a place where I need to be or want to be or not, if you're calling me to it, then the blessing of God and the will of God is in simply being obedient to what you've called me to do. And Lord, because I want to be great in your eyes and I want, I want the work that you and I do together to stand, then I need to hear from you, be obedient and be okay to do exactly what you've called me to do. Amen? Amen. Does anybody feel like they should pray over this subject today? Does anybody feel that way? Come on up. <laughs> you said you felt like praying. <laughs> he said, I figured you'd do it. Maybe that. The box on. So what I want you to do is I want you to pray that we would move into the greatness that God has for us no matter what we think about it, okay? And just let the Lord lead you in that prayer. All right. Dear Heavenly Father, I pray that you lead us into whatever you have planned for this church and this body, Lord. I pray that you give all of us the strength to propel in that vision, to excel in that vision, and to prosper in that vision. I praise you for what you've given me and all of my people, Lord, and I praise you for everything that you have. And I know it's coming, but... See, Brian put me up here in this spotlight. No, I don't know what to think. Uh, I ain't got nothing else. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.
Amen. That's good. Anybody else feel led to pray over that subject? Father, right now, Lord, what we seek is for you to be glorified. Many times in this life, in order for you to be glorified, you must increase and we must decrease. And so, Father, we just ask right now that your increase would happen. It doesn't mean, Lord, that we're forgotten about. It doesn't mean that we're not loved. It doesn't mean that we are not important to you. It means that your love and who you are needs to be a priority in your kingdom and in your family. And Lord, for you and your love to be a priority, a lot of times that means things that we've grown up with and thoughts and, and thinking and, and ways of the world that we've grown up with that everybody else would call normal doesn't need to be. Things that, that we feel like are even right, we need to leave our hearts open so that the Holy Spirit can say, this is what I want you to do. And we can say, yes, Lord, we will be obedient to you. Lord, we seek, and I just pray that everyone listening to this, that they would have this testimony in front of you, that they would be in greatness of who you've called them to be, and they would fulfill in greatness your plan and your purposes for their lives. Some of them will be seen by people, some of them will not. But Lord, I ask that they would not get weary in well-doing. I ask, Lord, that they would continue, that they would run the race, that they would stand, and having done all, stand for everything that you've called them to. And at the end of that, this age, we can stand before you, and as you judge by fire the works that we've done, you will say, well done, good and faithful servant. I call you great. Lord, we thank you that we just have an opportunity to partner with you in fulfilling your will in eternity. And we praise you for it and we thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you for coming to the class. We'll see you at 11. It's going to be awesome.